Tim, my name is Pastor Mark, and I'm going to be with you for the next couple of moments. So I'm going to invite you just to take out your Bible. If you like to take notes, take out a pen and a piece of paper. Or if you'd like to, to use, use the app and follow along with us, you can download our Westover app and see the scripture there and the points as well. But those of you that know when I speak, I, used, I like to use a lot of verses, so you might want to write these down. Uh, anytime you want to email me, I'll be happy to send you the verses that I use whenever I speak. But I've, I've entitled my message this evening, Maintaining, Maintaining Consistency. Maintaining Consistency. Now, we all love consistency. I'm not talking about the mundane consistency that's really boring. We're talking about consistency that provides, that, that produces fruit. That produces something that is healthy. And how many know that healthy things grow? Healthy things grow healthy. And uh, this August is going to be about a two-year journey that I have been to get more healthy. Uh, And the reason why I wasn't healthy physically is because I was never consistent. Now, how many know if you're not consistent, you're not going to get very far? You know what I'm talking about. And this August, thank the Lord, with his help, and it's still a lot of work, um, God has helped me to stay consistent. Because if we're consistent in many areas of our lives, we are going to find good fruit. Now, there's a lot of areas that we want things to be very consistent in a positive way. How many know if you got on a plane, you want to make sure that that plane has consistently taken off and landed probably a thousand, two thousand times. Or if you're going to have a procedure, at, at a, 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 a surgery, and he, the doctor comes to you and says, you know, out of, out of the ten surgeries that we've done, nine people have passed away, but we feel like this one's going to be the good one. How many know that's your, your cue to run for the door? You want a consistent surgeon. Or payday. Um, y'all, y'all, yeah, I saw a lot of yeses. Oh, yeah, we want payday to be consistent. Around our house, when it's payday... On Friday, we call it Fun Friday around our house. When it's payday, it's Fun Friday. We go straight for Dr. Pepper, not Dr. B. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> now, the next Friday, we, we kind of around our house, we say, well, we just got to slow it down a little bit. Just slow it down. But on payday, it's Fun Friday. We want payday to be consistent. Why? Because that helps us produce fruit. The problem with inconsistency, it, it be, doesn't allow a team. It doesn't allow a marriage, education. Uh, a career advancement to move in the right direction when it's, there's not healthy consistency. We need to be consistent in every, every, every area of our life, and especially we have to be consistent with our walk with God. We have to have, if we want to have a healthy spiritual life, we have to have a consistent walk with the Lord in different areas of our life. Listen, if you're relying on just Wednesday night or Sunday uh, to come into God's house and then you leave and you don't do anything else the rest of the week and you wonder why you're not able to, to withstand the temptations of the enemy or you just, you're just not doing, you're not advancing in your walk with God, it's because you're not maintaining consistency. You're not maintaining consistency. You're walking out and you're celebrating and you're trying to, re, you're trying to just milk that celebration. Now listen. We are, emotions are beautiful. There's nothing wrong with emotions. They motivate us. They strengthen us. Um, But let me tell you, in my opinion, you can't rely on your emotions. You can't rely on your emotions. Now, God created us to feel, to enjoy, to cry, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to spiritual maturity, you cannot rely on your emotions. 
When you come down that mountain from a, from a spiritual high, listen, ride that as long as you can. But if you're trying to, to rely on the emotions of that encounter with God, you are going to fail. Because it's not going to be based on how you feel. But when it comes to spiritual maturity, you have to consistently walk with God. Whenever uh, yesterday I did a, re, uh, a renewal of vows to a couple, and I was in my message, I said this, listen, the easy part is falling in love. I don't even remember falling in love. I mean, you just loved everybody. You saw a stranger and you gave him a hug. You didn't even know who they were. You saw a cat on the road, you want to rescue it, all right? You, you just love just brings out when you fall in love. Falling in love is easy. It's staying in love is the hard part. We can't rely on the emotions if we want to stay consistent in our walk with God. In fact, 1 Corinthians, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You see, when we get to a comfortable spot, when we get comfortable with our walk with God, we become very vulnerable. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants us to become vulnerable. So in my text today... Uh, in John chapter 10, I'm going to start with verse, verse 7. You can follow along on the screens or you can follow along um, uh, on, the, on the app. But I want to share a few verses here and then I'm going to develop my message of maintaining consistency. Now, if you read the beginning of chapter 10, Christ is actually in, in my text tonight, starting in verse number 7, is repeating his conversation. He's having a conversation with, with some of, of, of the people uh, of, of the synagogue, the, the Pharisees. These are the guys that just love the rules, rules, and rules. If you grew up like me in church, you know, you just can't, and, and, and you can't, and you can't some more. And that's kind of what the Pharisees were. They just, they just were all about the rules. They were all about the Old Testament, and Christ came to revolutionize teaching. And here he is, he's repeating, kind of repeating. And here comes my text in... Uh, John chapter 10, verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I'm going to just stop right there. That, I may have, that you may have life and life to the full. Now many of you probably recognize the translation where it has life and life more abundantly. You see, that's God's desire for us. That he doesn't want us just to get by. He wants to have us to have life to its fullest. He wants us to have life and life more abundantly. We want we want more abundance in our, in our lives. I, I used to love the restaurant ponchos. I don't know if this is old school. I mean, we're going, yes, okay, I get some laughs out there so y'all know what I'm talking about. You know why I love ponchos? Because all you had to do is raise that, that flag. You wanted some more sopapillas? Just raise that bad boy and they're going to come. I used to love that because immediately they would just, they would just show up. You know, listen, God wants you to have more sopapillas. No, no, God wants you to have life in life more abundantly. And there's no reason why we should just, uh, just exist and just barely make it from Sunday to Sunday. We need to have a consistent walk with God. And this verse clearly tells us exactly what the, what the enemy is trying to do in our lives is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his only purpose. 
But on the flip side, what God desires for us is to give us life and life and have it to the full. So Jesus in this, in this text, he uses a lot of what, I, what we call I am statements where he's kind of defining his role not just as a savior but as a messiah. And when we think about maintaining consistent, consistency in Christ and when we think about all the blessings that God desires to give us and how he is just such a faithful God, I began to read further about the I am statements that you'll find in God's word. Let me just share a couple of them. In John chapter 4 verse 26, now, I am the bread of life. How many know I believe that means that God, God uh, uh, will provide. Bread gives us nourishment. He's a God that provides. John 6, 48 says, I am the light of the world. Well, if you need light, we know that that's gonna, he's our guide. He's going to guide us. John 8, 12 says this, I am the one who testifies concerning myself, and the Father who sent me testifies concerning me. And John 5, 58 says, I am the door of the sheep. Um, the door open, or when God opens doors, those are doors of opportunity. In John 10, verse 14, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 13, 19, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 14, 6, I am the true vine. Because of who he is and because of the I am's of Christ, can I tell you, you and I, we can live a life and a life to its fullest. We can live a life and, and receive all that God has for us. But in order for that to happen, we have to maintain consistency. We have to maintain spiritual consistency. And I want to share four things very quickly with you that I believe that we need to have activated in our life. Four ways to maintain consistency. Number one, we need to exist in his presence. We need to live in his presence. You know that worship is not just what happens within the four walls of this church. Worship needs to be a lifestyle. Yes, even on Luke 410 or 1604 between 5 and 6 p.m., worship. I know it's hard, right? We just, Lord, your grace, come in right now. Through the AC, come on. It's hard, but we need to live a life of worship. We need to live in God's presence. Don't, don't listen. I wish we could, we could just all hang out together 24-7 or at least maybe a, a few hours of a break. But listen, we can't just be like this all the time. But his presence is not contained to the four walls of this church. We need to live and exist in his presence. In Luke chapter 8 is a wonderful story that we've all read many times where Christ is in Capernaum. And he's, of course, doing what he does. He's teaching. He's healing. He's just, he's just doing some amazing things. And in this particular chapter, we have uh, some, let me just kind of share who's there. We have uh, Jesus and, of course, his disciples. There's a very, very large crowd because, again, wherever Christ was, he drew out a lot of people. And then we have uh, Jairus was there, uh, Jairus, he was there. And then the woman that we call with the issue of blood, you may have heard it before, the woman who, had been, who was sick and she'd been bleeding for, for, 12, for 12 years. And just to kind of unpack some of these characters that were here, Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. So in that particular community, that was like a very, very high position. He probably got to do really whatever he wanted. He had a lot of authority. He would be someone that was over the synagogue, and he just, he just had a lot of authority. He carried a lot of, a lot of weight with him. And you have the woman who, had the, who was bleeding for 12 years. So first of all, she was older. 
She was, she was sick, obviously sick, and the Bible says that she just couldn't find a cure. She had spent all she had trying to find, find a cure. And she, she, she was just, and, and, and honestly, because of the culture of that time, again, going then and there, because she was, she just, she was bleeding, because of that, she was considered unclean, and no one wanted to touch her. In fact, they wouldn't touch her because she was recognized as being unclean, again, back then. And so probably she's been years since she's probably, at least 12 years since she's probably had a, a hug or someone to come around and just, and just love on her and encourage her. And here you have Jairus, the, 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 the guy with the high position. He comes to Christ, and you read in that chapter that his 12-year-old daughter is dying. And he comes to Christ and he says, listen, you need to come and you need to save my daughter. And what does Christ do? He doesn't say he did anything. He just kept, kept walking. Now, from our human perspective or some human's perspective, they may look at this and say, well, well let's, 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 let's kind of weigh this out. We have a 12-year-old daughter who has the rest of her life to live for. And we have her, and her father is, is a high, is, is, holds a high position in our community. And we have someone who has just been dealing with this for 12 years. She's older. She's probably not going to make it. We probably need to give our effort. And we probably need to point Christ to go heal the, the man with the position and the young girl. I'm just thinking that that's possibly what some of them may have been saying. And here's what I believe that we can draw out from this text right here. No individual is insignificant to the presence of God. Listen, it does not matter where you've been, what you've done, the mistakes that you've made. God's presence in God's grace will always be available to you. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter the status of who you are. God's grace will meet you right at the point of your need. And maybe they were thinking this. Maybe they were thinking this, that, you know what, Lord, we need to go help this girl, but one, because it's going to make us look good because of the position of her father. And two, listen, she's 12 years old, but we find, of course, you read in that chapter, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, and immediately she was, she was healed in that instance. Oh, can I tell you, that's someone who desired to get to the presence of God. And the, the text says in verse 42 that the, the, the crowds were crushing him. So it must have been very, very, very packed in there. Yeah, it tells me that sometimes when you're trying to seek the presence of God or you're trying to get to Jesus, there's going to be circumstances, possibly people or things in your life they are going to push back. They're going to try to crush you. And I want to encourage you, you need to be like this woman who's going to press through the crowd just to get into the presence of God. If we are going to maintain consistency in our walk with God, with, walk with God we need to exist in his presence. If you're with me, say amen. We need to exist in his presence. Second thing, we need to follow his plan. We need to be obedient to God's, God's plan. You know, God has a specific plan for each and every one of us. He has a specific plan for each and every one of us to follow. And it's up to you and I to follow that. It's up to you and I to submit to that and to be obedient. Listen, obedience unlocks the floodgates of heaven for God to do something amazing in your life. But he's not going to come down and twist your arm and make you do it. We have to follow his plan. Now, for this particular, uh, for this point, I went to the book of Proverbs, which is full of wisdom, and I found Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and here's what it says. There is a way 
that appears to be right, but it will end, in the end, it leads to death. Now, Proverbs shares that an account of the end of, for many people, unfortunately, is going to lead to death. Now, listen, ladies, he may look like heaven on the outside, but on the inside, he may be full of hell. You need to stay away. Don't look at the appearance. Gentlemen, for you as well, she may, she may look incredible on the outside, but on the inside, there, must, there might, could be darkness. Don't, we can't base it on the appearance. And hear exactly what he's saying. Look, don't. The people that look on the appearance, they feel that it's right. They feel like it's right. And when people following his plan prepare and look and, and get sidetracked by the appearance of what they see, they get, they, it gets blurred. They have, a, they, they have a very evident blind spot because they think it looks right. And many times it feels right because it's selfishly helping them and advance them. Sometimes it, it feels right, so they feel like everything's going perfect, so this must be the right way. They flatter themselves because, well, because it looks right and it feels right and, it, and it's selfishly helping advance me. I don't know about the person to my right or to my left, but it's helping me. But in the end, the Bible says, even if the appearance looks right, it's going to lead you to, to destruction. And if we're going to maintain consistency, we have to follow his plan and not get caught up in our selfish desires, which is so easy to do. It's so easy to, to get caught up in what we think is right or what we feel is right or what appears to be the right path to go. I often will say this, let's measure twice and cut once. Because you know when you cut it, it's done. And whenever you're wanting to follow God's plan, listen, we need to follow God's perfect will for our life. If you want to maintain consistency... We need to be in God's will. We need to get into the footsteps. And we cannot do that if we're not being obedient to the plan that God has for our life. You know, I'm so thankful that, you know, years ago, that when I responded to the call to go into ministry, there was a season in my life where I, I wanted to go a different route and wanted to do something different. And it was so attractive. It, 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 I wanted to, to go down a different, different road but I look back and I think if I would have made that choice, if I would have made that choice, how many blessings I would have missed out on. You know, I would have probably still been serving the Lord and it would, I would still be in church. But you know what? I would have missed out on so many blessings. And if we, need to, if we want to maintain consistency in our walk with God, we need to exist in his presence. But we also have to follow his perfect plan. His plan. And we can only do that when we stay aligned with God's word and we make sure that he's right there, right by our side. Because sometimes when God has a perfect plan for us, we need to walk through that door and shut the door behind us. You know, I'm reminded of the children of Israel when they were captive, when they were, when they were slaves in Egypt. Of course, we know that, that uh, Moses came and he led them out. And when they came to the Red Sea, what did God do? He split the sea in half and they walked through on dry ground, dry ground. And as soon as the last Israelite walked through there, course they had the the chariots and pharaoh's army right on their tail what happens the the seas closed up i look at that that god provided he opened a door but then he closed that door permanently now it probably would have been real easy if god would have just created a bridge for them to cross over right 
It would have been so much easier instead of going through all those rocks and all that stuff. But what did he do? He closed the door permanently. I believe that because of the way the Israelites were, and, and I'll tell you, I'm not much different sometimes when you look at their history. If God would have made a bridge to make it easier for them to cross, how many know probably a lot of them would have turned around at some point during that journey and walked right back across that bridge? But what did God do? He closed a permanent door and made them follow his plan. Here's what I'm saying. If you're going to maintain consistency with God in your Christian walk, follow his perfect plan. If you're still with me, say amen. All right, number three. Number three, walk in his power. Walk in his power. I'm going to share just, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, um, follow his plan is, 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 is an important one. Exist in his presence, man, that's, that's really important. But this one right here is probably the most important one. Out of all of these, this is the one that I want you to walk out with. Walk in his power. You know, many times we try to fight walking or trying to maintain our Christian walk by ourselves. We will often say around here that God never intended for you to journey alone. And many times we try to do it on our own without the body of Christ surrounding us, without taking a step and get finding a life group where we can get connected so we can join together with other Christians. We try to do it on our own, and especially some of us try to do it without accessing the power of God. And if we're going to want to have consistent walk with him, we're going to have to walk in his power. We're going to have to walk in his power. We cannot allow the power of God to just be, be disconnected from it when we leave church. We need to be in his word and daily in prayer with God every single day so that we can walk in his power. You know, my father-in-law, my father-in-law is, is uh, 90. He'll be turning 91 in just a couple, uh, couple of months. And uh, uh, yeah, you can clap for that. That's all right. Yeah. You know, my father-in-law was in the Korean War. And he was airborne, he was army, and he was in the Korean War. And they misdropped his, his group, his platoon. And so he flew right into, they just dropped right into the, into the enemy. And he was going down, and, and, you know, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but he talked with me about it one time, and it was just a very tough thing that he, he uh, went through. Well, he came back from there. He was a POW for uh, two and a half years, and was able to be rescued, and then he came back to the States. And can I tell you, he came back uh, just a very disturbed, disturbed man. And instead of looking for help through counseling or through, or most importantly through God, he looked to the bottle. And he became a drunk. And he drank and he drank and he drank all the time, all the time. The army began to help him. They began to put him in programs. They began to help him and send him this and to doctors and trying to help him. And nothing, nothing would change it. He, he would still go right back, to the, right back to the bottle. During this time in his life, he lived in El Paso. And that's about the time when uh, my, my wife was born, when Anna was born in El Paso. And nothing was changing in him. He was not getting healed. He was not getting, nothing was helping him. But one day... One day, my father-in-law walked into a place called Victory Outreach. Come on, somebody. He walked into a place called Victory Outreach, and somebody prayed for him. And as soon as they said amen, can I tell you the desire, the urge to drink, and he never drunk again. Oh, what programs couldn't do. Oh, can I tell you, the power of God is able to touch somebody in that moment and heal them from those things. What a what a counselor can do. And listen, there are counselors out there that we need. So don't hear what I'm not saying. We need good godly counselors. 
But when a program or what something could not do, Jesus came in by his power and touched him. And he hasn't had a, drink, a, a, a sip of alcohol since then. Oh, can I tell you, the power of God is amazing. And if we want to maintain consistency, we need to walk in his power. Now, I said the most important one was exist in his presence and, of course, follow his plan is very, very important. And then this last one, you know, walk in his power is probably the most important one. But really, the, the, really the, most, the most important one is the fourth one. This is the one I really want you to walk away with. This is, the, this is the one I really want to end with. It's called live for his praise. Number four, the last one I share with you is live for his praise. You know, if you, if you try to please everybody, you'll end up pleasing nobody. There's many times in our walk that I think we get caught up, and I know I've been sometimes, trying to impress the people around us. And we forget to ask ourselves if we're really living a life that is pleasing the Lord. John chapter 12 says this, in verse 42, it says, Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. They're talking about Christ. They believed in Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. And the sad thing is, it's just that they believed. They believed the message of Christ. They believed that he came to bring hope. They believed that he was going to be the Messiah. But because they feared that they would be kicked out of the synagogue, that they would lose their status, that they would no longer be uh, uh, just looked at um, and welcomed in that place, because they were going after the praise of man, they would not come up and testify, basically. Many times we do the same thing. We, many things that we do, the way we act or dress or walk, are motivated by the desire to impress the people around us instead of really impressing and honoring the Lord. And as a result, those individuals or those things begin to control us if we're not really doing and maintaining consistency by wanting to please God. Colossians 3.23 says this, and I love how the, 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 uh, the Passion Translation says it, and I wrote it out to my side here. I said, it says this, put your heart into every activity you do so though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Put every activity, your heart, everything as if you're doing it for the Lord himself. Can I tell you, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to work tomorrow and you leave for lunch and you're supposed to be back at 1 o'clock, don't come back at 1.30. Do everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Do everything. When you come into God's house, don't come in with just tired praise. Don't come in just, you know, like just, you're, you're defeated. Oh, can I tell you, we serve a, a Savior who, who bought us with a price and that we can walk in victor victory no matter what's going on around us. We need to live for his praise in every area of our life. I'm going to invite you to stand with me tonight as, as I kind of bring this to a close. Listen, how are we going to stay consistent in our walk with God? How are we going to maintain consistency in our walk with God? And I wish I could stand before you and tell you that I have mastered these and that I, I'm, I'm this perfect saint every day. No, 
There's a lot of times that God has to slap me upside the head and get me centered. That's one of the things I love about worship. Worship has a way of just kind of writing us, kind of centering us with God. But here's what I want to encourage you to do, and here's the altar call for you. The altar call is not necessarily right here. But the altar calls, when you leave this place tonight, maybe find some adjustments that you need to make. Maybe it's the most important one, which is existing in his presence. Or the other most important one is following his plan. Or the really, really important one, which is walking in his power. Or the absolutely important one, which is live in for his praise. <laughs> which one do you need to make an adjustment in? You know, a lot of times I think sometimes we think it's just big overhaul. And a lot of times it's just small corrections. Small corrections. Maybe it's what we're listening to. Maybe it's what we're allowing to feed our mind in that moment. But I encourage you, church, as we leave here tonight, as you start your, your, your day tomorrow, exist in his presence. Follow his plan. Walk in his power and live for his praise. Would you give the Lord a praise clap offering tonight? Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Father, we love you tonight, God, and we thank you, dear Lord. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And God, I just thank you, God, that no matter how far we may drift off from you, Lord, your grace can bring us back to center with you. And God, my prayer for your people tonight God, that they would follow the plan that you have for them, that they would, God, that they want to want to live in your presence, Lord, that they want to, they want to live for your praise. God, that everything that they do, they would want to honor you by putting you first in every area of their life. And God, if you're tugging at someone's heart tonight, God, if you're trying to write them this tonight, dear Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them. And before they 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 go to sleep tonight. May they make an altar, dear Lord, whether it's in their car before they, before they leave tonight, or maybe it's in this altar tonight after we dismiss, or God, they kneel down at their bed before they go to sleep. Lord, may they make an altar, and God, they, that you would, your Holy Spirit would help them write it, God, and that they would want to maintain consistency, not when, just when they're in the four walls of this church, but every day and everywhere that they go. Lord, I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for what you've done tonight. And it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. You are dismissed.